Hi, and welcome back to Spine Chillers and Serial Killers. I'm Becky. I'm Emma. And I'm Tash. Hello. Hello. Hi. How are you, gorgeous girlies? See, I've mixed it up. You're not lovely ladies tonight. You're gorgeous girlies. Mate, I am happy as happy can be. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Bex? Uh... <laughs> Oh well, yeah, just uh, just you know, same old, same old. Plodding along. Uh huh. Hey, we we kicked off our TikTok, didn't we, this week, mate? We are smashing the hell out of TikTok. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, was that fifteen point two views on one of your videos, Emma? I, I think it might have been. Say what? Fifteen point two k k. You yeah. mean point two k? Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, it was. Check us out. But oh, TikTok man, how hard is it to make a TikTok? Uh, as seen in one of my TikToks, very hard. <laughs> they take me hours just to get like a three-minute TikTok. My phone keeps falling over. Everything keeps going wrong. Awful. I don't know. I don't know how the young uns do it. Well, I think this is why when people are like TikTokers, like it literally is their career. Like it's literally their job because it does take so much time. It is. I just had it in my head. You pop on there three minutes, bish, bash, bosh, done. No. No. No, there's like editing and adding sounds and And the fact that I can't actually speak that doesn't help re-recording it seven times yeah realizing that you can do segments so you don't have to keep re-recording every time that took me a while to cotton on like you can only delete the last one can't you yeah but i just do loads of little segments yeah (laughs) like the stop (laughs) story (laughs) stop (laughs) happened stop no i'm joking but seriously too old for this shit man yeah, it's a full-time career, isn't it, being a TikTok sensation? Everything. Everything is. The Twitter, the Facebook, yeah. the TikTok, the everything. I'm trying my best, but whew, I don't know how they do it. Me neither. Speaking of, yep. I don't know how they do it. I don't know why I said that, because I've got literally nothing that has anything to do with that sentence. No segue. <laughs> no segue. Okay, but... There doesn't always have to be a seamless segue. So go on, just next next topic. Next topic. Last week I forgot. Do you remember when we were going up above and down below and there's a yeah. word for it and it's redundant. Redundant. It is redundant. Yes. And somebody actually listened to the podcast today and said, it's redundant. And I said, yeah, I sent a voice message to Tash and Bex like the day after going, redundant, it's fucking redundant. <laughs> uh, you guys were probably like, what the fuck is she talking about? I don't about? remember you sending us that. Did you send it to us? Yeah, I did. Did I reply? Probably not. Yeah, sorry. I don't always reply. I'm a busy lady. But I just needed you to know that I knew the word. But uh, We know that you know now. The world, I did know the word. I was just very tired last week. I've also got another correction because I've cocked up massively. Go on with your big cock. Go on. (laughs) (laughs) Two of our listeners, Stacey and Nicole, are actually having a little competition between each other on our song quiz. And Nicole messaged me to say say that I missed her out on the Bohemian Rhapsody uh, answers. 
And she did actually get it right. I checked our messages and she did get it right. Well done, Nicole. Stacy's saying, because I didn't give her a shout out on air, it doesn't count. Oh, Stacy. Yeah, sassy Stacy. Plain dirty. <laughs> I like it. So, yeah, I got a message from Nicole saying, oh, no. She thinks she's in the lead and I got it right. So I'm setting the record straight. She did message me. Stacy, listen up. Nicole did message me and she got it right. So it counts. So it's still a point for Nicole. There. Alvin. Sorted. Shall I give uh, Tasha's song? Have, as, uh, did you guys get any answers? Because I got two. I didn't get any by email. Well, she didn't get any answers either. Don't hesitate with sending me emails, guys, please, with your ghost stories and stuff. And now we're getting TikTok up and running. We might read them out there as well. So send me your ghost stories. Send me your ghost stories and murder stories. Anyway, the song was Listen by Beyonce. And I got, oh, shocker. I got two right answers. Guess who they are? (laughs) Nicole and Stacey. Stacey. (laughs) It's Nicole and Stacey. What a song, though. What a song. Listen. It is a good song. Haven't they already... I mean, I won't say what it is, but haven't they already given the answers for the episode that dropped today? One of them definitely has, yeah. The other one hasn't yet, but one of them definitely has, yeah. But it'll come. That's what she said. <laughs> Old school. So, any other housekeeping before we crack on? No other housekeeping my end. Oh, Tinder with Tash. Tinder with Tash. We can do Tinder with Tash. Shall we... Put on our sweet, sweet jingle. Yes. Oh, yes, dude. Sit down, you boys and girls, and everyone in between. Story time. Tash has stories for you, both funny and obscene. Ooh. Did she swipe right, swipe left, or find out he had a rash? Ew. We're about to find out. Because it's Tinder with Tash. <laughs> <laughs> cracks me up every time i love that jingle so much yeah it's really good we are going to comment on how much we love this jingle every week every single time everybody's knows until tash is betrothed (laughs) and then what will we have we'll have like married with tash married with tash (laughs) yeah that'll be good so we got two more guys two more guys on the speed date so Last week we had Ed, Peter and David. And this week, Marcus. I like the name Marcus. Do you? I feel like this Marcus may turn you off that name. Oh dear. So Marcus looked like a Bond villain. Oh. Oh, did he have silver teeth? No, but he had very blonde, like shaven, like a short shaven hair. Not like a stylish, like skinhead like well like eminem yeah but not like he didn't look cool with it it was like this is the only haircut i can be bothered to do type thing i thought we loved a bald man i like a bald man this was not giving that vibe he also had and not that this is an issue but to add to the bond villain-esque vibe that he was giving he had a very thick german accent oh yeah and they're always German, aren't they? Yeah, and it shouldn't so, be that way. No. I just had visions of him inviting me to his flat and having like a hairless cat or something and just stroking his cat as he spoke at me because 
that's what he did for five minutes was speak at me. Oh, did he did he mon- monologue? Monologue like a he does to monologue. James Bond. Well he while you were trying to kick a thing to like get your laser gun and get free. <laughs> yeah. And I just don't even really he just spoke and said a whole lot of nothing as well. He was telling me how he'd just come over from Germany not like that long ago and that he had moved into his flat really quickly and that it's really, really expensive, but it's a really lovely area and it's quite quiet, but it's ever so expensive. But now he can't afford to move. And I was just a bit like, oh. Marcus sounds like the guy you avoid at the coffee machine. Yeah, that, yes, that's exactly how Marcus was. I can't, can't even say whether he was a nice guy or not because I got nothing from him. He there sounds was no, boring. A bit boring. Yeah. Sort of person yeah. that would talk about Tupperware for that little bit too long. Yes. Yeah, exactly that. It was just a very strange interaction. So it was, um, yeah, it was a no from me. But also by this point, I am about four cocktails and a large glass of wine in. And a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> so maybe I just looked really drunk and he thought, this girl's not going to know anything I say to her, so I'll just talk a load of rubbish. But little did Marcus know that I was taking notes, so I can remember. And then we went on to the last guy. And... Best of last? Yes. Oh! But sadly, Tash was not at her best. Oh dear, were you too drunk? Drunk and thoroughly bored of every single interaction that I'd had. So I decided to take charge of the interaction... Uh oh. And going strong. Oh no, Tash, what did you do? <laughs> With one of my favourite questions to ask somebody. Oh, do they high five during sex? No. Oh, okay. It is a great question, but it wasn't the one that I went with. I went with Would you rather have your feet wrapped in bacon or pork chops in your shoe? Oh. What the fuck, Tash? Why? So my reason behind this question is it shows willing to have fun. It's not a serious question, but it is a question that leads you to have an interaction, discuss the situation, and how you react to that question tells me a lot about somebody. I had asked that somebody this question on a first day back in March and we laughed about it for so long we really discussed the pros and cons of having bacon on your feet or pork chops in your shoes and I stand by that question on a date okay I've got an answer for you I I oh I also have a preference yeah can I can <laughs> can I pitch you yes. my response Tell, first yeah, absolutely pitch me right do you want to take notes <laughs> I would definitely prefer the feet wrapped in bacon, one, because bacon has salt in it. Depending on how long I have to have this bacon on my feet, I can imagine pork chops getting a little bit slimy. And also, Mm. it's kind of like wrapping your feet in in the bacon. You can't kind of wiggle it off. It's on there. Whereas I feel that if it was pork chops, I'm constantly like wiggling my toes over it. I don't know. And uh, maybe the salt in the bacon would do something and it'd smell. I- I'm assuming that it'd be smoked bacon because that's why I prefer. And I think that'd smell better than a uh, slimy pork chop. Okay, Emma. 
Well, I mean, it's not as elaborate as that, but literally bacon, because I would prefer to have a bacon sock than have uncomfortable shoes. I think you're all fucking crazy and everyone always says bacon straight away. But I will tell you why it's the wrong answer. Is it because you cook it with the feet, your, the heat from your feet, so you've got a little snack for later? <laughs> <laughs> your feet are wrapped in bacon. There's no talk of shoes or socks. It literally means that bacon is wrapped around your feet and that yeah. is what you're walking with. Yeah, but bacon's thin. So it's like, it's like a bacon bandage, if you will. Yeah, and then you're going to walk outside and as soon as you start walking, that's all going to come off. I'm putting shoes on. You'd never said I You're put shoes on. You're not putting shoes on. You're not allowed to. You didn't say that. Would you rather your feet wrapped in bacon or pork chops in your shoe? That was the question. Yeah, there's no... You did not specify that bacon meant no shoe. And this is why this is a great question. Look at this interaction. It was implied that there was a shoe in both no, instances. No, it wasn't. No, it, it was, wasn't. Becky. It absolutely wasn't. The reason it wasn't implied is because I specifically said pork chops in your shoes or your feet wrapped in bacon. So you're saying pork chop in your shoe and you don't even have to put your fucking shoe on? Oh, fuck off. No, you obviously have to wear the shoes with pork chops in. Pork chops, are bone or without bone? Well, you can take the bone out, I think. Oh, I think pork chops all the way. I think an extra cushion for your shoe. Lovely. She likes a bit of meat between her toes, don't you, Tash? <laughs> <laughs> Come find Tash on Feet Finder. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, my case is fully shown here in this interaction here. It can get quite heated. It can get quite expressive. Opinions are to be had. That is true. But ultimately, you end up laughing. If someone looks at you like you're fucking crazy when you're asking this question, that's not going to be a person for me. And I will be honest, it has worked. I've had great interactions with other guys. It clearly hasn't worked to the point where I've got a husband, but I've enjoyed the interactions I've had from that question. Uh, Anyway, I actually don't think James was feeling my question. I think he thought I was a bit of a weirdo. Oh, he's called James. I love that name as well. Me too. I but I did quickly change the the conversation because I thought James isn't feeling this. James does not want to have fun. No. James is one of those names that I love it because my little cousin's called James. And then I also hate it because I have a next called James. Oh, I remember him. Didn't he play squash? <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> That was my first knowledge of squash, meeting him. <laughs> anyway, so then I asked him about his life. I went in, I then went in deep. I was like, James, how's life? Tell me what's good. He is a really ambitious person. He was an engineer and then he trained to be a pilot. But he hasn't got the banter. But he hasn't got the banter. And I think he is a like... I just think I would have been too much for him. Yeah, well, oh God, it sounds like he couldn't have handled you. If you can't deal with the porch up in the shoe thing, yeah, it's a no-go. I did tell him that I was really proud of him, though, and that he is very commendable changing his career in his mid-30s, which 
which I think he appreciated me saying. Um, and then the bell rang and James quickly scarpered out the door. That was the end of the dates. And he didn't match with anyone. James thought he was better than everyone, I think. No, I tell oh, you dear. what he was doing. He was going to the 24 hour shop to go buy pork chops and bacon. <laughs> That's what he was he doing. He was going to go try it out. He couldn't he like, understand. What do I prefer? <laughs> Is this how I understand women? <laughs> So that was the end of the speed dating with men and then most people left and then a group of women sat around the table drunk and debriefed and they're actually really lovely women. We've exchanged numbers and do exchange messages from time to time. So So speed dating with Tash turned into making mates with Tash. Yeah, which do you know what? Sometimes that's what it's about, isn't it? I had a great time. I'd say it's a win. Yeah. It was a, overall, it was a really fun experience. What I've learned is maybe don't get as drunk as I did. I still stand by my pork chop and bacon question, and I will be asking that next time I go speed dating. Tinder with Tash lives on for another day. It does. And next week of, or next time, I've got some great stories about a couple of dates that I went on previous to speed dating. So, yeah. Stay tuned for that. Anyway, should we move on? Yeah. Go, go, is it go. me? It's you. Yeah, it's you. Come on, let's I do this. I was quite not excited to read this out, but I was looking forward to it. So oh, I yeah. hope you enjoy it. So I thought, as I'm currently living in France and has to have done for a while, that I'd do a st- or some uh, cases in France again. So <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this has all been translated by yours truly and Google Translate. So um, buckle in. I'm always buckled in for your stories, babe. It's a roller coaster, man. Yeah. So France, 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 France. If any of you have ever come to visit or are currently living here, you'll know that it's... We have baguettes. <laughs> come, we have baguettes. And garlic. And croissant. <laughs> France is full of many weird and wonderful things. Uh, it's known for its cuisine, pleasant weather, beautiful architecture... And it's people's love of consuming garlicky snails. Yeah. Pleasant weather. Yeah. Yeah, most of the time. (laughs) Where? The (laughs) south. Not where we're all from. It's the end of November. It's bound to be a bit shitty. Come on, we have to have seasons. I suppose, I suppose. But like many countries, there are certain parts of the country, like Paris, the coast and the south of France, where housing prices are out of reach for people with an average income. It is true. Mm-hmm. If you have ever looked at property in France, you may have come across some postings that mention the word viagé. Now, a viagé, qu'est-ce que c'est? Qu'est-ce que c'est? Qu'est-ce que c'est? Fa, 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 fa. Qu'est-ce que c'est? <laughs> Is it rent to buy? No. No, it's an annuity property. It's existed in France for a long time and it doesn't exist in other countries. And the practice of it can be traced back in French history to the year 876. 876. Not 1876, 876. Wow. I didn't even know history... We had like traces of it to go that far back. That's a very long time ago. It blew my mind. So, yeah. Poof. Well, give yourself a bit more credit, Bex. Your mind would go, it wouldn't just go, 
No, I think it's definitely just a little poof, <laughs> like with a little bit of smoke. No, big like when you squeeze up. the talcum powder bottle a little bit, and it just goes poof. No, it definitely be a. Push. You are you are too kind. <laughs> well, so what is it? I'll explain what it is. An annuity property is where it's usually an older person, so someone that's over seventy-five that usually live alone, but not not necessarily where they're a homeowner, if you want to put your house up for sale as a viage, you put it on for half of its, about half of its market value, but you get to stay in your house and then the buyers of the house will send you a monthly annuity. I know someone who's done this, actually. Yeah. I don't understand. So basically you're buying a house off an old person. But the old person gets to stay. You pay the monthly like rent. So you buy the house for a really low price. And then when they die, it's yours. Yeah. So basically, you buy the house and then they rent the house off you. No, you pay them to live in the house. What? It's good for the the sellers because they get to keep their own house. They get a lump sum of money plus, say, a thousand euros a month. But then if they die in two years time, that means the buyer has got a house for like half the market value. Right. But if the old person lives for like 10 years, it's a lot less. Is there a threshold to the amount that it can go up to? I think it's until they die. It's until they die. So if you have like someone that you buy it when they're 70 and they live live until they're 90, you have to pay them a thousand euros a month until they are 90 and die. What? That doesn't seem like a good idea. Who's doing this? It's It was all right before when people tend to die a little bit earlier, whereas now the average life expectancy is quite high. The person I know who did it, uh, he bought this house off this guy, and this guy wasn't that old. I don't even think he was 70 yet. And I think he lasted six months and then he died. See, that, it's sad. But that is the perfect thing <laughs> for the buyer. Yeah, well, they, they got a right deal, yeah. Well, to be fair, this person literally told me that he wanted to come over to France and drink himself to death, and that's exactly what he did. So he got what he wanted. Yeah. Hold on. So who died? The man that bought the house died, Emma? No, the man that's selling the house. No. Oh. The, the guy who was selling the house sold his house at a really low price. Yeah. The people that bought his house, he stayed in it. He got to live in it. The people that bought his house paid him a monthly amount. And then the minute he died, the house was theirs. They got a really good deal because they did this. And then six months later, he died. Yeah. So instead of paying 200,000 for the house, they probably paid 100,000. So did you know the person that was selling the house rather than buying the house, Emma? I knew both of them. Yeah. But that could go so wrong, couldn't it? Because imagine if somebody did that and then lived like another 40 years. Well, I imagine that's where Becky's murder story is going to come in. Yeah, the upside for the seller, so the the older person uh, that's selling the house, is they get to stay in their own property until they die. uh, And also they get a lump sum of money and then also like a a monthly annuity that's coming to, to them every month. So... To someone that hasn't got much of a retirement plan, that's really good. And if they haven't got kids, it's ideal. Yeah, okay, isn't it? exactly. I can see why they do it. I can see yeah. in that sense why they do it. My other question is, and I'm sorry, I know you're not an estate agent, but I've got so many questions about this. 
is who is then in charge of the maintenance of the property? The person who's bought it. Mm. It's awkward because it's as if you're, you become a landlord to a person that you're paying to stay in your property. Yeah, that's shit. Yeah, but if they die within the first five years, you're rolling in it. I mean, the seller, the mm. wine that's selling, they get a lump sum of money so they can treat themselves in their golden years. And the buyer, you might get a house for way under market value. I had a look in my area. There's a small apartment for sale for 300,000 euros, but they're selling it in as an annuity property for 100,000 euros. Plus, I think it was 750 euros a month. I can see pros and cons. It's not something I would do. Yeah. I imagine there's going to be quite a big con. Yeah. And then also in France, if you decide to have children, you can't disinherit them. So even if you have created some complete assholes, this is the closest you can get to disinherit your children because you're okay. using up your money and not giving them the house. But also, you don't have to move out of your own house. You can stay in your own house. Yeah. I mean, um, that's not the only reason that people do it. But um, if your kids are assholes, that's a good way to piss them off after you've gone. <laughs> um, and if they don't have kids, they can make them the most out of the money that they've accumulated, especially when they probably bought the house for like a thousand euros or like 10,000 francs back in 1960 when they were on a working wage and now the same property is worth like half a million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. sound a little bit salty, but... No, but I see where... You know, they could easily have bought it on a working wage, whereas people can't do that now. When I first started looking at properties in France, the whole thing just never really sat right with me. I just think it's a lot of older people that can be a little bit vulnerable and I just don't like it. I don't like the thought that you're buying a house and hoping that person dies. Well, no, it's yeah. horrible, but that's exactly what it is. Yeah, especially the fact that if something breaks in the house, you have to come and fix it. So you then have to, like, I could just see, oh, like, maybe I'll push it down the stairs and then I'll get my money a little bit quicker. You know, it just, uh, I don't know, it just, it, it does not sit with me at all, each to their own. And some of the buyers apparently become friends with the sellers. And I couldn't be friends with someone that if tomorrow they died, I'd be like super happy because then I get to uh, have the house. I don't know. And I wouldn't want to be the seller and then meeting these people like, oh, they're going to be really happy if I die tomorrow. <laughs> I don't know. It just, it just, bleh. the whole thing kind of creeps me out. Anyway, so I've done two stories about this this week. And this is the first one. So this is about a Vierge, shall I just say Vierge, annuity, I'll say it's annuity property that took multiple dark turns. Olivier Capellaire was born in 1970 in the Côte d'Azur area of France, so right down south. A very nice area. Very nice, very posh and very expensive area. He lived literally where Saint-Tropez and everything, Saint-Tropez can in the really, really expensive areas. Yeah. Yeah. And he had a really cool, normal childhood. So, not like most of our stories on here. After he left school, he was a kumi chef at the Blue Bar in the Palais des Festivals in Cannes. So, that's like a big 
it's where they have the the Cannes Festival. Yeah. But it was destroyed in 1988 to be rebuilt. So when it was destroyed, he lost his job. Oh, shit. You know, by the time it takes them to rebuild the whole thing, there's no point in him waiting around. So he became a salesman in Saint-Tropez, but the company that he was working for fell apart and his father gave him a job at his own company. So he started out in sales, then worked his way up to assistant manager, then eventually up to the point where he took over the business when his father retired. Things were going really well for Olivier, so he decided to make some investments. He decided to buy a number of annuity properties in the Côte d'Azur area, so five properties in all. Part of the reason why he decided to buy the properties this way is because he couldn't secure a mortgage because of his heart condition. But still, that's five properties. Like, surely five properties makes one. I don't know. And it must. He, I think he um, redirected some of the money from his father's business into his own personal kitty for real estate as well. I think he was a little bit naughty. Things weren't very good for long because Olivier ran his father's business into the ground. Of course he did. Because he's I've a, got a funny feeling about this guy. He's not a nice guy. No. I watched a, a documentary, it's all in French though, um, about him and he was just such a loser. Everything that he did, he was like, I'm the best. And then he was just shit at everything. He was just a complete dick. So he, the reason why he ran his father's business into the ground is because apparently he only saw profit, money, 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 and he didn't have the personal touch that his father did. So they had to sell the business. However, a few years go by and those selfish elderly people just weren't dying. Damn them and their health. And also, don't you live longer if you live in the south of France? They have better... Um, well, they have better diets, don't they? The Mediterranean diet. And they get all the sun and the vitamin D and... Olive oil. Yeah, all the lavender everywhere. Yeah. And it's just a nicer way of life when, when it's the sun shining. It's nicer, isn't it? <laughs> so, with all these old people not dying, Olivier was uh, struggling to pay the monthly amounts that he had to pay them. Well, I could have told you that was going to happen, Olivier. Five, come on, that was greedy. It was. It's a lot of money, isn't it, to stump up each month? Five lots of rent? Come on. Yeah, Yeah, and I'm assuming it's a good chunk. If up here in the north you have to pay about 750, nearly 1,000 euros a month, down there would definitely be be over 1,000. Oh, aye, oh, aye. Yeah. So Olivier kept, you know, randomly popping in to see the people whose property he owns, just to see if they're all okay. That would make me uncomfortable. Yeah. But, you know, he's just being kind. Nothing nothing suspicious. So one of these ladies was called Suzanne Bailly. Stab him, Susan. Yeah. So he randomly started needing to pop round to check this and check that. You know, just pop in and, and just make sure that she's okay and, and everything. Being a massive pain in the arse, yeah. basically. But every time he did so, because Suzanne was a uh, awesome person who had loads of friends, she always had like a friend that popped round or her uh, building handyman that was there just doing bits and bobs. Oh, I bet he was really put out by that, wasn't he? Yeah. The handyman would go on to say that they were just sat there having a coffee one uh, one afternoon and he pops in to do something. Uh, and then when he saw the handyman was there, he kind of bumbled and was like, oh, I, I need to fit this new 
fire alarm. So he went and basically stuck it on the ceiling with double-sided tape. It's not how you do it. No, he was kind of looking at him like, what the fuck is he doing? That's not going to... Anyway, really half-assed excuses to why he was there. Until the 7th of April, 2015, he managed to pop round when Suzanne was alone. So they were chatting and stuff in the kitchen. And then at one point, Suzanne left Olivia alone in the kitchen, just to go to the toilet or get something or whatever. And little did she know that Olivier would take these few seconds to poison the bottles of water that she had in her kitchen. Fuck, I knew he was going to go with poison. I knew it. Mm. It's the easiest one, isn't yeah. it? Oh, fucker. Yeah. Um, what did he poison it with? I'll get to it in a minute. All right. Oh, no, I can tell you now. It was with uh, atropine. Because he has this heart condition, he has atropine as part of his treatment. But if you just give it to anyone or overdose someone on it, it just makes your heart race, I think. I think it's that way. Okay. Yeah, it accelerates your heart. So a heart attack. Yeah. It can tr- okay. trigger a heart attack in people that don't need this type of medication. With you. And if I got that wrong, well, I'm sorry. I don't plan on murdering people. <laughs> I'm sure that's what they said in, in the uh, notes that I was looking at. Suzanne, because it's south of France and it's freaking hot, obviously she had some water later that day and she thought it tasted bitter. Then when suddenly she started feeling unwell, she managed to call Gabriel Marino, which was her handyman and trusted friend. Gabriel rushed over and called an ambulance. When, when he got to the apartment, Susan was on the floor by the door. She managed to say... It's the water. Taste the water. It tastes bitter. And because Gabrielle was also on the phone to ambulance at the same time, he kind of did so. And without thinking, he swallowed a mouthful of the water. And he did think, oh, it it tasted bitter. Yes. But he wasn't thinking it was poison because he, Gabriel, had actually bought that pack of water for her. So he knew that it was just a normal water. Mm. So the ambulance came and took Suzanne away. Gabriel went home and on the way home in his car, he started feeling really ill and everything started going all swirly. And by some miracle, he managed to get home safely and he walked up to his apartment and then collapsed on the floor. He would be found unconscious by his wife hours later. He was also taken to hospital where they ran tests. Luckily, Suzanne and Gabriel both survived the poisoning. Thank goodness. Yeah. Lab tests saw that they had a drug called atropine in their blood, which was used to treat some heart conditions. Obviously, they were really suspicious. She, you know, Suzanne was on it. She was like, I'm really suspicious and got police involved. And the police obviously put two and two together as well. And they suspected Olivier. So please look at him, question him, and also look into his past because they see that they have a lot. He has a, a list of these properties that he, he owns in this way. They look into his past and they found out that Olivier may have killed his godmother, Jacqueline Ambert, in 2014 in the same way. He owned a property through annuity too. And then she, like, really unexpectedly died. She was, you know, en forme, as they say in France, like, just on the top of her game, really doing well. And then all of a sudden, boof, she was dead one day, from one day to the other. I mean, I know it does happen. So what they did was they asked the family's permission to exhume the body. 
and they would find traces of atropine still within her, like within her bones or something. They managed to get it. In 2020, he was sentenced to 25 years of prison with possibility of parole for the poisoning of Suzanne and Gabriel. And he is currently awaiting sentencing for the murder of Jacqueline. Sounds like a great guy. Yeah. So he's hopefully not getting out because uh, he's already got 25 years. What about, yeah, I bet the other three are sweating a bit. Well, he's in prison now. They can't, um, he can't poison them now. Yeah, but he still owns their house, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't know what happens with that. Oh, yeah, if you die, the debt goes on to your family. So now he's in prison. I'm assuming that it's his uh, wife that would have to pay for that. Nice guy. Yeah. Are you uh, ready for story number two? Born ready. Yeah. So this is slightly different, but still annuity properties. So. This story is very well known and even inspired a film, Un Duplex pour Trois. So an apartment for three. That translates that kind of ish. In 1965, a notaire, so a notary, I think that kind of translates as, I'm not really sure. 47-year-old Maître André-François Raffray had the seemingly great idea of buying the apartment of a 90-year-old lady so under the annuity property kind of rule thing. I mean, that sounds like a pretty safe bet, not to sound like a cold-hearted bitch or anything, but, yeah, you know. Yeah, 90s, you're definitely getting there, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. He purchased the apartment for a half the market value with a monthly amount of 2,500 francs to pay. So 2,500 francs is about 380 euros, 330 pounds or 392 dollars a month check you out doing all the conversions and stuff. quick maths yeah and in today money though that's about five grand a month that's quite a lot but i'm not sure how accurate that is today's money sucks anyway yeah so that can fuck off we don't need to think about that yeah today's money's ridiculous yeah so every Month until her death, that's what he had to pay her, the uh, 380 euros, so 2,500 francs. What André Francois didn't know is that he had just purchased the apartment of Jeanne Calment. Do you know who Jeanne Calment is? No, no I don't. Do you? I bet I'm she gonna does. I'm going to tell you. She <laughs> is the longest living woman that's ever lived. Ever? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, the eldest woman that was to have ever lived and be verified. Go on, Jeanne. And also still is the top on Wikipedia. There we are. So according to the GRG database, she still is the longest living woman that's ever lived. Ever in the world. Yeah. Yes. Before anyone jumps at me saying, hey, that's wrong, because so-and-so is older, uh, this is... The list of people that have been verified, because you get a lot of people saying, oh, actually, this person is older, but they can't prove their age. Who's going to jump at us? Our listeners are lovely. They'd never jump at us. But you never know. There might be some black. Actually, we've never had a correction so far. Go on, us. They just believe our shit. They just believe it. (laughs) Oh, now I've said that, they're going to be like, actually, Becky... You're fucking wrong. <laughs> what I would say, Becky, is just don't disclose her actual age. And then no one can jump on us. 
No, but I want, and we need to know. No, I'll tell you what it is. Okay, come on then. Let's come on. Come, come on. on. Let's get, let's do this. Come on. Go on, Jeanne. Yeah, André François would pay Jeanne two thousand five hundred francs per month for over thirty years, paying all in all over twice the value of the property. And as if that wasn't bad enough, poor André François would die before Jeanne Calment. Oh, oh my man, god! That sucks. He didn't oh. even get to spend one day in the apartment. Oh no! This is what I'm saying, guys. I don't think this is a good, good idea. Yeah, but that was a safe bet, man. She was ninety. Ninety. He was forty-seven. Yeah. And uh, so she was a hundred and twenty-two. Hundred and twenty-two. She was a hundred and twenty-two, man. Who lives to a hundred and twenty-two? <sighs> I hope I don't. <gasps> Jeanne Calment, that's who. Yeah. God, that was that was really defeatist, Tash. Oh God, I hope I don't. <laughs> Be old for like most of your life. No thanks. Is that what you're saying, babe? Yeah. Poor Andre died in nineteen ninety-five and Jeanne died two years later in ninety-seven at the age of hundred and twenty-two and hundred and sixty-four days. Wow. I bet she did it out of stubbornness, you know. She was like, I'm living my best life here. Chunk of money. Yeah. Monthly rent. Exactly. Loving it. I'm not going nowhere, man. (laughs) What was Jeanne's secret to a long life? Well. Red wine every day. Yep. And chain smoking. Yeah. Packet of Marlboros. (laughs) That'll do it. (laughs) And after her husband died in 1942, she avoided living with men. Oh, uh, that makes sense. Oh, fuck. Does that mean I'm going to live to 120? No, Tash. We will find oh. you a man. Tash, we will find you a man. We're going to leave you in our 80s and you'll be like, oh, fucking hell, I've got another 40 years to go. No, Tash, we'll find you a man. He'll kill you early. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, that's nice. That's also not what I want to happen. No, that's actually fine by me. So I just thought that story was obviously unfortunate for Andre. And when Andre died, his wife had to keep paying that for an extra two years. Yeah, that's shit. That's really shit. So I thought I'd give a shout out to the current... Shout out! Yeah, the current oldest living people out there. So in the women, we've got Lucille Rondon, who is 118 years old, 283 days, and she is living in France. Go on, Lucille. Fusa Tatsumi, who is 115 years old and 210 days, and she's from Japan. Go on, get in. And this name I love, Bessie Hendricks, who oh, is yeah, 100, 115 years old and 14 days, and she's currently living in the United States. Bessie. Wow. You're kicking Bessie. ass. Go on, girl. To date, the oldest man to have ever lived was Jiromon Kimura. And he was 116 years old and 54 days from Japan. And the current oldest living man currently who's living is Juan Vincent Perez Mora. And he's 113 years and 178 days. And he's living in Venezuela. So big up to the big ones. Shout out to all of you. I fucking love you all. Respect to the elders. Yes. I just really, really enjoyed those stories it's not as depressing it's a little bit bad but it's not as depressing 
as my usual stories. There are a lot of these stories. So what I thought is after this episode comes out, uh, I'll probably do like a little series of them on our TikTok or social media. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> That'll make you followers on TikTok. Look at yeah. my awkward videos. Look at them. <laughs> Look at them now. <laughs> so if you want to, if you're interested in those, go check us out on our social media TikTok another reason to look us on there so scsk underscore podcast go and check us out go and look at our videos look 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 and we've now. got 500 and something followers now don't you know so yeah all those people yeah so there we are there's my stories well thank you becky thanks Beck. i think jan was a jammy little mare I think. yeah jan jan knew what she was doing man yeah my turn for some spooky stuff isn't it yes. emma Tasha, you're gonna make me cry. I might do because this is quite scary. Oh, okay. Anyone okay. would think this was a paranormal podcast. It is indeed a paranormal podcast, and uh, yes, I am going to scare you shitless now. Oh dear. Are you ready? This is a pretty recent one, and the thing that's scary about this story is that it's in police reports, and it's also in the Department of Child Services reports. So we've got some official people that have witnessed this shit and reported it. Ooh. This is not hearsay. This all happened. So in November of 2011, the Ammons family, which consisted of Latoya, her three children, who were seven, nine, and 12 at the time. So there's no names. Kids are completely anonymous, which is fine. Plus Latoya's mother, Rosa, moved into a new house situated in Gary, Indiana. They were excited at the fresh start they were getting in their new home. Little did they know that it would soon become a nightmare. Nah. Mwahaha. Latoya and Rosa began seeing hordes of horseflies in their porch. Now this was super weird because it was December and far too cold for these bugs to be about. But no matter how much they tried to kill them off, they always came back. Until one day, they were just gone. However... The flies were just the start. There is something creepy about flies, isn't there? Like the yeah, swarms of flies. Yeah. I don't know if anyone remembers when I told, uh, spoke about my grandparents' house in France. Whenever we would go there, there would be so many dead flies in the rooms, like a ridiculous amount of dead flies. Like, where are they coming from? Yeah, I don't like it. I tell you, this house that we live in at the minute, well, we've lived in it since 2014, we get flies all the time. Like, they just appear out of nowhere, like tons of them, hundreds of them. Yeah, it's gross, isn't it? It's awful. Anyway, so the flies were just the start. They started to hear strange noises. Rosa and Latoya would often hear somebody walking about the house. Someone with heavy footsteps, like a man wearing boots. No, that's just my (laughs) nine-year-old. These footsteps were most often heard coming up from the basement into the kitchen. This is generally in the evening, Tash, when all the kids are in bed. Yeah, yeah, but like, there's nothing louder than a nine-year-old stomping up the stairs, is there? Not if they're pissed off, no. Yeah. So one time, Rosie decided to go and investigate what was causing the sound. And there, she was horrified to see that there was a dark figure pacing up and down in their living room. It vanished almost immediately, but it left behind one solitary boot print on the floor. Oh, my God. Another inexplicable occurrence was the dogs. 
The family would hear dogs barking as if they were in the house, except the Ammons didn't have any dogs. And when they checked outside, there weren't any dogs around the house. The noise appeared to be coming from nowhere. That would trigger me so badly. Like, I literally would have a panic attack at that. It was to the point where if it wasn't in the house that they were hearing the barking, it was at the door and they could actually hear the scratching at the door. And they'd open the door and there was nothing. <sighs> that might, no, oddly. Oh, I couldn't deal with that. So then the children began to be affected. They would bleed from their nose and their mouths. Oh. Yeah. And they began to feel really unwell. And yet the Ammons tried their best to explain everything away. Nothing at this point was unbearably terrifying, and maybe some of it did have logical explanations. Latoya thought just to be on the safe side, she would contact a few churches to see if they thought they were experiencing a haunting or not. She wasn't met with great enthusiasm. In fact, most of the time, they didn't really believe her. Fucking churches do nothing. Every time. They're like, there when they want the money. They're there when they send around that little basket ready for your change, but the minute you need an exorcism, they're like, oh no, don't church, what church? (laughs) (laughs) So one priest, however, said that making crosses in oil on the window would help protect the family. And so that's exactly what she did. She made oil crosses on each window and door and even did it on her children's foreheads. A nightmare to get clean when the ghost is away, getting like oil off the window. It would be, but I I think at this point you don't care. Yeah, maybe. What would you prefer? Dark figure pacing around your house or an oily window? Probably an oily window. See, that would be my speed dating question. So Latoya then thought it might be a good idea to contact some psychic mediums to see what they could pick up on. And a pair visited, and what they told Latoya was truly terrifying. They said her house was haunted by over 200 demons. Oh, stop it. And their advice was to get out. I I don't like it. Tell Emma to stop. (laughs) Sounds like a big crowd and everyone would just be stuck to each other. That sounds so busy. You're right, Tash. No, 200. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to stop, How's though. How's she counting that? Well, they're psychic mediums. They see stuff, don't they? Doing a quick tot-up. Go on. And she didn't give a round number, did she? She said over 200. So, like, she got yeah. to, they got to 200 and they were like, I'm not counting anymore. There's too much. Too yeah. much demon. And their advice was to get out now. Yeah. Same. I have the same advice. <laughs> However, as we have seen in previous episodes, you can't just up and leave. Financially, it's just not feasible. No. And this is what Latoya explained to the psychics, so they gave her some advice. They needed to protect their home from demons. Salt. Yeah, exactly. And so Rosa made an altar in the basement, as they felt that a lot of the activity was coming from down there. That's where the portal is. And Latoya continued her rituals with the oil crosses and they did put salt around the bottom of the stairs because they thought that's where most of it was coming from. But sadly for the Ammons, they would need a lot more than candles and oil to protect themselves. It's now 2012 and Rosa and Latoya were hosting a little get-together with friends because they were all mourning the loss of a loved one. 
The kids had all been sent up to bed and Latoya's 12-year-old daughter had a friend sleeping over. Around 2am, they all heard cries for help coming from the 12-year-old's bedroom. Latoya ran to see what the problem was and was horrified at what she found. I don't want to know. Her daughter was levitating above the bed. God's sake. (laughs) She was asleep and unaware of what was happening. All the adults started praying around her with every prayer that they could think of. Why didn't they pull her down? I don't know. I'd I'd start praying as well. I wouldn't know what to say. I'd be like, knock, knock. Are you there? Knock, knock. (laughs) I don't know. I wouldn't know how to... (laughs) You know, like when you tap on a microphone to get everyone's attention. I don't know how to get God's attention. Do you just cough? Like, um... Can you get my... Hey, you got married in a fucking church. Yeah, but for the tradition. No children were levitating there. <laughs> I thought she meant knock, knock as in to get the kids' attention. Uh, <laughs> or like, oh... No, she wants to get God's attention. Or like, like the situation is a bit tense in here. <laughs> let's let's say a knock-knock joke. Yeah, let's do some comedy. <laughs> Comedy always helps. Oh, dear me, Becky. We need to get you a Bible. <laughs> I, think, I think I still have the Bible that you got, Caitlin. Did I buy her a Bible? You got her a Bible, yeah. That was because I'm her godmother and um, yeah. a good Christian person would do such a thing. Yeah. You should still have that Bible. I bought it for her. Yeah, I've still got it. And I've still got mine that I got, my christening. Well, I suggest you read it a little bit at night. <laughs> <laughs> I just used to look at the pictures in mine. It was a picture Bible. Lots of horrific things in there. Can we get back to the levitating girl? <laughs> yes. Mia, please, I can't wait. Because, uh, yeah, I'm not buying that Tash is a good Christian lady. Sorry. Why? Because I suck dick. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus. Don't say it. <laughs> don't, don't keep that in. Don't use the Lord's name in vain. Oh. <sighs> <laughs> oh, why did I say that? I wasn't going to put it quite like that, but... Uh, oh. oh, fuck me. <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> We're all going to hell, anyway. We're all hoes here. <laughs> so, little levitating 12-year-old, she's asleep and unaware of what was happening. Well, thank God. Yeah, exactly. The adults all start praying around her with every prayer that they could think of and eventually the girl started to slowly float down back into her bed. The friends that had been there that evening refused to ever step foot in that house ever again. What they had witnessed was too traumatic. I'd get that. The Ammons now knew they had a serious problem. Even if they knew their house was haunted, it had up until then seemed pretty harmless. Now, however, they realised that maybe it was anything but. Her kids began missing school because of all the paranormal activity keeping them up at night. But even worse than that, Latoya and her three kids' personalities began to change. They would start grinning for no apparent reason. Their eyes would bulge out of their heads and they began speaking in strange voices. They never seemed to be aware that they were doing this. However, anyone else in the house was very aware that they were doing it. 
Latoya once found her little boy in the wardrobe talking to another person who simply wasn't there. And another time she saw him rush out of the bathroom so quickly it looked like he'd been pushed. Her eldest son began explaining what it felt like to be killed. Another day, Latoya, with another family member, was in the car with her two sons. The adults noticed the boys just staring off into the distance, and then they started talking to each other in deep, gruff voices, telling each other that they are ready for death, before they launched at each other, attacking each other with a violence that Latoya had never seen them show before. How were they saying that, though? Like... Well, are you ready for death? I was born ready, mate. I was born ready. No, in deep, rough voices. Like, I'm ready to die. Oh, I am as well. <laughs> <laughs> I love dying. <laughs> okay. So Latoya quickly pulled the car over and both boys screamed and swore at her as she split them up. And just as quickly as it had begun, the boys became completely normal again. Sadly, this would become a theme. The boys would go into a trance and then just start fighting with one another. The daughter was also having terrifying experience of her own. She reported being pinned down in her bed and being choked, and also having her head smashed so badly into her headboard that she needed stitches. Oh my god. She said at times like these she would hear a voice tell her she would never see her family again and that she wouldn't survive another 20 minutes. The house frightened them so much sometimes that they packed up to stay at a hotel. Now again, during all this, the kids are missing school, so eventually the school got involved to try and find out what was causing the kids not to turn up. They met with Latoya and Rosa and decided that the kids should be seen by their doctor to try and get to the bottom of it. Their doctor said he had never heard a story like it in all his years of practising and was shocked because he had known the Ammons for a long time and they weren't the kind of people to make things up. As he examined the children, the boys once more began speaking in demonic voices and swearing at the doctor. Then, one flew across the room as if thrown by an unseen force and straight into a wall. Straight after that, both boys passed out. Unable to wake the boys up, the doctor called for an ambulance, and the children were taken to hospital. He said he'd originally thought that the family was suffering from hallucinations. Child services were also called as the odd behaviour of the children, plus the fact that they kept missing school, aroused concern for the children's well-being. Suspicions arose that the children were performing for their mother and that she was encouraging them to act this way. At the hospital, things got really weird really fast. The two boys woke up, the eldest first, and he behaved normally. But the youngest, then seven, thrashed about screaming. It took five grown men to hold him down. Valerie Washington was the DCS, so that's the Department of Child Services case manager, assigned to the Ammons. This is what she said in her reports to police and the DCS. Latoya and her children were examined by hospital staff. No marks or bruises suggesting physical abuse were found. The hospital psychiatrist spoke to Latoya and said she was sound of mind. Valerie Washington then spoke to all the family together when the seven-year-old boy started growling and baring his teeth. His eyes completely rolled back into his head. He then grabbed his older brother around the throat and refused to let go until the adults could separate them. Valerie then took the two boys and Rosa, the grandma, into a smaller room to be interviewed. 
She had a nurse with her. The seven-year-old stared at his brother and began growling again. It's time to die, he said. Ugh, I will kill you. At this point, the older brother started headbutting his grandma repeatedly in the stomach. Oh! Rosa grabbed his hands and started praying. What happened next would terrify everyone in the room and offer definite proof of paranormal activity. And this is all in the original DCS report, a statement that is backed up by the nurse that was present. The nine-year-old started grinning bizarrely and walking backwards towards the wall. But he didn't stop at the wall. Or did he go through it? He continued to walk up the wall. Oh, fuck, fuck, fuck. No, I don't want to. And across the ceiling. But upside down. Yep. Before flipping back in front of his grandma, who had never let go of his hands. It literally makes me want to vomit. But had never let go of his hands? No. Do you know what annoys me about this is that I can see it so vividly in my mind's eye. Well, it's good. Was the wall not that far away then for her to not let go of his hands? Well, I imagine so. She's not Stretch Armstrong, is she? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) God. Asking a question. (laughs) No, I don't think he was very far from the wall. That's fine then. But it's also, it's worse. Well, I don't know if it gets worse. It's worse because it's children as well. Yeah. Children are creepy at the best of times, as we all know. So at this, both the nurse and Washington ran out of the room. When asked, could it have been an acrobatic trick? They said, no way. He glided up the wall and across the ceiling. The boy had no recollection of the event and when asked by a doctor to do it again, he looked puzzled and said, I can't walk up walls. Well, yeah. The kids and Latoya were released from hospital and the next day it was her youngest's eighth birthday. So they celebrated best they could. The DCS asked the Ammons to return the kids to the hospital for further examination. And then she received a call from Valerie Washington to tell her the children would not be returned to her. They were taking emergency steps to take custody of the kids without needing a court order, as they said all three were suffering spiritual and emotional distress in the home. Of course, Latoya and Rosa were devastated at this news and the kids were all in tears as they didn't want to leave their family. They'd been fighting this as a team and wanted to remain together as a team. Well, yeah. So she's now had her kids taken off her. So it's bad enough that one of them's walking up bloody walls. Yeah. Meanwhile, Reverend Maginot, I think that's how you pronounce that, and I'm really sorry if it's not. So the Reverend Maginot got a call from the hospital chaplain, who had obviously caught wind of the possessed children and thought the family needed help. The chaplain asked the reverend to perform an exorcism on the nine-year-old boy who had walked up the wall. Reverend Maginot accepted to meet the family a few days later. Well, at this point, just Latoya and Rosa, as the kids had been taken away. During their meeting, the lights would flicker and stop as soon as Reverend Maginot went close to them. He also witnessed wet footprints and saw the blinds swaying as if pushed by an invisible gust of wind. Mm. Latoya began feeling unwell during the meeting. She got a headache, so the reverend placed a crucifix on her forehead which caused her to convulse. After being in the house for four hours, the reverend said he was convinced that the house had ghosts, but also demons. 
He said some prayers and sprinkled some holy water about, but told Latoya and Rosa to leave as he felt it was unsafe. They listened and went to stay with relatives. Less than a week later, however, they were forced to go back to the house as the DCS, so the Department of Child Services, needed to check the living conditions inside the house. Washington, the caseworker, had asked to be accompanied by a police officer because she was so afraid of what they might see inside. Understandable, after what she saw in the hospital. Yeah, I'm scared for her. Two other officers asked to come too as they were curious about the events. The children at this point were still in the DCS custody. Latoya refused to enter the house, but Rosa, who had never been affected, agreed to show the group around. They inspected the house and in the basement they saw the altar that Rosa had put up for protection and they noticed a patch of dirt floor under the stairs, which was odd as the rest of the floor was concrete. So where's that dirt come from? Like as if the concrete had been dug up? Exactly. The edges... Okay around this part of dirt, looked jagged as if somebody had deliberately broken the floor. Rosa said she felt like the demons came from there. During the visit, one of the officers' recorder malfunctioned, the batteries dying inside instantly, even though he'd only just replaced them. Another officer's recorder worked, however, when listening back, the police heard a disembodied voice say, Hey! They took photos of the house that showed anomalies that, when they enlarged them, looked like faces. After leaving the house, the police officer's radio in the car started to not work. When he got home, his garage doors refused to open, even though there was power everywhere else in his house. He said that in his personal car, the driver's seat began moving back and forth by itself, and when inspected by a garage, they said the seat's motor had died, which could have potentially caused a dangerous accident. The police officer said after all that he believed the Ammons family's claims, but professionals remained sceptical. The DCS continued to have the three children interviewed by psychiatrists who continued to say the kids were delusional because of their mother's religious influence. The youngest would behave completely normally until he was asked about demons, where he would speak and act irrationally. All three always persisted to say that they had demons in their house. I don't understand how they're keeping the kids, though, because surely to someone seems delusional is just normal religion to someone else, if you know what I mean. They've got them on, what I said earlier, extreme spiritual and emotional distress. Child services have taken them away. They've gained custody of them via an emergency. They didn't have to go through the courts or anything. Yeah, it just seems like they're keeping them for too long to me, if you know what I mean. Well, it's not actually, it's just the story's long, but it, I think a lot happens every day kind of thing. I don't think this is dragged out too much. Yeah. So it was decided that Latoya had to work on her parenting, even though they admitted that the family had a very close bond. But she had been neglecting their education by missing school all the time. It was also decided, and this is completely contradictory, that Latoya needed to find a new house without any demons inside. So if they didn't believe demons were the cause, why did she have to find a demon-free house? Exactly. That's ridiculous, yeah. Makes no sense. So the house was investigated again, this time by a bigger group. The initial three police officers, Latoya and Rosa, the Reverend Maginot, a new caseworker, as Washington had been so terrified by the whole ordeal she'd actually moved away. Oh, bless her. 
The new caseworker touched some slimy liquid that was dripping in the basement. Her entire finger then turned white as if there was no blood circulating to it and she said it felt like it had been broken. She then began to feel more and more unwell and eventually she had to go and wait outside. Maginot asked the officers to dig under the stairs in case there was a body or a pentagram buried there. They found some ladies' pants, so knickers, Uh a fake fingernail, some socks that had been cut below the ankle. Oh, fuck off with your socks. That's not true, is it? Yeah, no, it is true. No, it isn't. It is. It is. No, it's definitely true. Some socks that had been cut, cut below the ankle. But they didn't find anything else, so they recovered the hole with dirt. So what bit of the sock was there? The ankle. Just the ankle yeah. or the foot bit? The ankle. Is that the scariest part for you so far? Well, I just don't like socks. <laughs> Latoya began feeling unwell too, so she joined the DCS worker outside. The police officers found the same slimy substance upstairs on the blind. To make sure it wasn't Rosa or Latoya putting it there, they cleaned it off and left the room for 25 minutes. They stood outside to make sure no one could enter. And after 25 minutes, they went back in to see the substance had returned. Oh, stop it. The reverend said this was a sign of paranormal or demonic presence. Or slugs. Or slugs, yeah. They then left as one of the police officers said, he might deal with criminals, murderers, rapists every day, but he sure as hell wasn't staying any longer in that house. Maginot wrote to the Bishop Melzek, and again, hopefully I've got that right, to ask permission to do a full exorcism. Initially, the Bishop refused, but changed his mind after Maginot kept insisting, and three major exorcisms were performed, two in English and one in Latin. After that, Rosa and Latoya moved to Indianapolis, Maginot blessed their new house to avoid future problems and Latoya Ammons regained custody of her three children in November of 2012. There have been no further issues in their new home. Oh, well, thank God. Yeah. As for the house in Gary, it was bought by Zach Baggins from the show Ghost Adventures, who used it to make a documentary film called The Demon House. The film took him three years because of all the issues he had making it, almost as if it was cursed. It was. But when the filming ended, Zack had the house demolished. So it now does not exist anymore. So when they demolished the house, though, that worries me that the house was containing the demons. And by demolishing the house, you're now opening them up to wander free. Yeah, I did see a documentary of a police officer who was like stood in front of this flattened house and he was like, well, it's all very well doing that, but where have they gone? Yeah. Yeah. Lots of uh, things that we probably will never know. Never know, no. And I did have to shorten that ending because there was a lot more to the exorcisms, etc. but it was just going to go on forever. So I had to shorten it a bit. But I will uh, reference all my sources and people can go and look it up and find out the end to a more fuller extent so there you go i won't be one of those people (laughs) it's nothing like it took a lot of goes of mini exorcisms before getting permission from the bishop and then they did full exorcisms and it's all details like that yeah 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 but it all worked out in the end and yeah that was my story good the ammons family haunting 
Thank you. Merci beaucoup. You're welcome. And I think it's my turn this week for the horror song. I believe it is. Are you ready? Steady, are you ready? We haven't had a Disney reference this week. Haven't we? Um, No. I'm trying to think of a Disney reference right now. Not a one, not a one. No, it's too late now. You can't can't force it. It's either there or it's not there. Exactly, yeah, go on. Okay, horror song. You are an angel. Perfect soul, perfect body. I can't even look at you. You are that special. You never notice me, and who could blame you? I'm a freak. I don't belong in your world. But the pain of not being seen by you is overwhelming. It's true what they say, there's a thin line between love and hate. If I was as perfect as you, you'd see me. You're so superficial. I'm going to make you see me. And then you'll run. You'll run. You'll run. There you go. I have no idea. No, I'm not sure. Oh, that was an easy one. Shall we wrap it up? Yeah. You can find us on TikTok. We have upped our game. Instagram, Twitter at SCSK underscore podcast. Yep. You can also find us on Facebook. Find Chillers and Serial Killers. Yeah. And if you have anything, any stories, true crime, paranormal, or just want to reach out to us, you can also send us an email, which is chillers.killers dot pod at gmail.com and because i am little miss party pooper i can't record next week so we're not going to we're going to miss a week we're having a week off because i've got to go to a doctor's appointment that's a million miles away and it's a right pain in the ass but it's got to be done so yeah sorry about that folks next week there will not be an episode but then we will be back after we will continue to post on tiktok yeah and elsewhere so let's interact there yeah we'll be on all the social social media anyway guys and girls stay safe don't kill people and keep it weird Bye. bye